It's episode 238 of Kane's Cast and Shane Willis. It's always a delight when we have the man known as Overtime Scotty B on Twitter. That's Scott Burnside in studio with us. Are you excited? Always excited for the live guest. No pressure on you, Scott. I feel none. I'm happy, though. I'm glad you're happy. No, I'm happy to be here. Coffee, muffins, you, you've outdone yourself this morning. Well, we have to up the game when you're here. Although, Mike, just Mike, you, we do it every time. Well, I was going to say, when he's not here, the omelet station, we can afford. <laughs> yeah. when we, uh, we didn't let the chef come in today. No. Uh, this is also a Kane's uh, cast that is being recorded in front of a live studio audience, so that's a, uh, not a first, but it's a good time for it's us. It's a first for me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you've never had a live audience. Yeah. But you have had a storm brew once or twice. Maybe. Thank you. Presenting sponsor. Oh, wait. I'm <laughs> get the right guy to say it. Presenting sponsor of Kane's Cast from R&D Brewing. And yes, you can go visit them on Capitol where their tap house is, the Seven Seas Tap House. Make sure. Seven Saturdays. Seven Saturdays Tap House. I'll get it right. Spring's right around the corner. I mean, great patio. Sure. Great atmosphere. Catch a Kane's game. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? you? Why wouldn't you? get in this building because she's been packed lately, head down to R&D. Exactly. But now you can listen to Kane's Cast. And we've got Scott Burnside with us. So... Scott, we talked to you last week, and we appreciate that, that you joined us over the phone. But now that we're past the, the halfway point of the season and, you know, we start to look ahead and look at things, certain things start to shake out or sort themselves out. With the Canes, one of the questions was, what were you going to do with the goaltending situation? We got the answer this week. Um, as great, and I can use that word great, which gets thrown around very loosely these days, uh, Pyotr Kochekov was at the start of, of his run in the net here had an injury, you know, comes back a little bit, you know, had a, a, a tweak of something, comes back and out there. I don't think that this is the end of the world that you sent him to Chicago. If anything, I think this is a good thing because go down there. He's got to play, right? But yeah. looking at how the net is, is set up right now for the Canes, there's no reason for, for anybody to be like, well, should they have kept this goaltender up, right? Because three goaltenders, it just doesn't work at this level. Yeah, no, it absolutely doesn't. And, and, and you know, and sometimes – like in a lot of situations, we're going to assume we'll talk about the trade deadline at some point. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the answers present themselves. And, and you, you mentioned it. Kochekov was lights out. He was rookie of the month. All of those things. And it does create the issue. Well, when Freddie Anderson does come back, Auntie Ranta's record has been sterling. What do you do? Well, Kochekov gets, uh, you know, suffers a minor injury. He's out for a few games. And he comes back. And, and let's be honest, he... He looked like a goaltender who'd hit a bit of a wall. He'd hit a bit of a rough patch. And with three NHL goaltenders, what do you need to do if you're a young player? You have to play. And so, it, honestly, I just, again, you don't wish anyone to get hurt or any of those yeah. things. But it, the answer to me became self-evident. And so, Kochevkov goes to Chicago. He'll play a lot. He's going to play at a high level, against high-level competition. If something happens to uh, Antti Ranta or Freddie Anderson, He's a phone call away, but it's really important, I think. And and what we've seen, you know, it took Freddie Anderson a long time to get back to this point where he felt comfortable playing in game action, but he looks to me like a guy who is totally comfortable in the net and he's so calm and is such a presence. And I think it's a, uh, you know, it's a reminder of what we saw at the beginning of last season and really until he got hurt, what, two-thirds of the way through the season, of what is possible for this team in goal and I think Freddie Anderson, a healthy Freddie Anderson, changes the dynamics for this team in what you can realistically expect come April, May, and June. 
I completely agree with you. The young man needs to play, and it, it. Everyone says, "Well, three goalies can work." You know, this it just it just doesn't work. Not because they're not great guys and they're not great right. friends, and they all want to play. That's the part of being an athlete. You want to be in the net. You want to get the job, and it is just easier with the two guys. And I think a lot of people forget on the business side of things. It's the easiest, simple move with no ramifications. Right. There's no waivers for Kochetkov. There's no trade involved. You don't. This isn't the time of year, and I was talking to someone the other day, and you know we talk about guys around the league, and we'll get into the trade deadline, but I just don't feel, and again, Don Waddell is a great, patient GM, that this is the time of year to force a trade. When you're in a bad, teams know you're in a stuck situation, so when you call them, they know they're going to force you. What can we? What else can you give us? You know, well, we'll do it. So let me ask you, just hypothetically, let's say Kochekov doesn't get hurt, or if he, when he comes back, he just picks it up and he wins three straight, and now his now he's at a different. He's at the same level. Freddie Anderson has come back. He's ready for game action. Does it change how you view things? My my thinking is probably not, because to the point you made, Shane, it's hard to trade a goal. You can't just goalies are hard to trade in season. They just are, and if you you just have to be aware of that. Well, this goes back to because we did have this conversation in December. Shane and I did. In fact, Scott. It was more of a is, fight. Yeah, this is where <laughs> Scott tries to divide <laughs> Shane and Shane and I here on on. It's Kane's not that guys. hard. I, I will but say. I, I'm I'm still going to stick with my guns on. The young goaltender has to play, yeah. and I I I went in all along that this year for Pyotr Kochetkov was can he handle the workload of a number one goaltender, and you can't have him up here sharing the net with two other goaltenders. You can't give away, to, Shane, to your point, you just can't give away a goaltender because, well, we got to make room. Especially and, a good quality one exactly. like you have, all three of them. When and when general managers around the league know, well, you're in trouble, so, you know, I don't have to pay Yes, we'll take him. What this. are you giving back? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're the one in trouble. Yeah, yeah, we're, right. we're creating space for you. You're welcome. But this year for me, for, for Coach Etkoff, was always going to be get him between – 45 and 50 games somewhere yep. and then see how how he comes through that workload um so no it, it, it honestly it doesn't change anything in my mind and it was the path of, of least resistance where you can just send him down to the minors when it comes through and again no fan of this organization should have a problem with how the canes goaltending depth is located right now because and here's the other thing you can do if you really want to get Piotr Kochetkov in a game you can call him up and have yeah. him play one, but you well, got it. You you've got. I I don't want a guy like that playing once every four or five games. He's the guy who has to be playing three games out of the four that's on your schedule. Well, because but you know, I mean, part of what you're doing with Freddie Anderson is because he's missed so much time. You want him playing two of three, yes. three of four, three of five, and so then to your point, you have to look at what is the workload that's left over. Auntie Ranta is a veteran. He understands. That kind of role, I think he's excelled in it, frankly. Um, but you're right, throw another young goalie in the mix, it makes no sense. So, no. And, yeah. and your depth is still intact. Yeah, and I, th- I agree with you. And I've seen people comment, they're like, well, everyone, you know, just go one, one, one. And I'm like, this isn't baseball. We're not pitching. Like, these guys need more action <laughs> yeah. than that. So, you know, it was the easiest move. I love what Kochetkov did here, and will he be back? No question about it. But, again, in a patient mode, because the Hurricanes have kind of gone through – um, those areas with their goalies already, someone else around the league, one of their goaltenders get hurt, they know the Canes could get called and be like, hey, you got three. Can we have one? Yep. We need one. Um, so then you turn around and fleece somebody because they're in trouble. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That that to me is one that was going to sort yep. itself out, and, and it has sorted itself out. We're uh, about on the right timeline. We said around the All Star break. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's where it should be. But speaking of the All Star break and, and timelines, uh, Marty Natchez, we don't know at the recording of this episode of Kane's Cast if he will be going to South Florida as an all-star or not. Uh, Shane, I haven't really asked you this, but with, with Scott, I think this is a good way to put it. How surprised are are we with this year that Marty Natchez has put together, given the samples that we had before? Is this like, wow, where did this come from? Or, no, this was coming. He just needed the time to get there. Yeah, no, I I think if there were a comeback player of the year award, you know, I mean he's young, so it's not like he, you know, he it's not like he's had two or three years of poor performance after good and then returned to good. He's still a kid. And again, to me that's it's easy to lose sight of that. Although he's also a veteran, you know, given how young this team is and and the core is growing up and Netchas and Svechnikov and Aho and Etchy and Slavin, you know, these are relatively young players, but they've grown up in the organization. And I think that's, you know, um, I talked to Marty about this uh, uh, very topic um, yesterday. You know, what's it been like? And, you know, he was very candid about the disappointment of last season and especially going into a contract year. He knew that there was discussion internally, externally about his role with his team. And, you know, could or would the team move on from him given, you know, given some of those disappointments? And so that's the reality of the business. And, you know, I, the team obviously believed that there was more to what uh, Martin Netchas could bring to the table, and he committed to it. He signed the new deal, and he committed to being in the right frame of mind, the right shape coming in to training camp, got off to a you know, greats are so huge. And Shane, you know how important the confidence is for a young player. And playing with Svachnikov for the most part, you know, the, both those guys have a lot to prove, I think, because of the expectations. And they seem to embrace it. I've really enjoyed Netchass's two-way game. Like, yeah. I love how Rod trusts him to kill penalties. He, I don't think he makes the mistakes that we saw him make last season. It's been a bit of a dry spell recently with both those guys talked about it, but I just think it's a real good story. And how? What's the cliche? The best trade you make is the one you don't make. Yeah. And whatever might have been out there, uh, this young man is going to finish the season in a round point a game. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. I to go back to your question, Mike. Surprised isn't the word. I think everyone was just like, "Where is it?" Right. Everyone knows the skill level this guy had. Whether even last year when he was when he was struggling, everyone's like, "Why? What's going on? He's too good." And I again go back and I mean, this is one area. I mean, you and I. I mean, we're in fantasy hockey together, so you know how I am. But yeah, how much he would really, have, you would have dropped him and claimed him on waivers fourteen times last year. Correct, but <laughs> someone else, a smarter GM than me, would have grabbed him and and, and had patience because I always go back to that word of you can't make the knee jerk reaction, yep. especially with a young kid. Right, because he's got it there. When is it going to break out? And I love what the coaching staff did when he got back to training camp. One, he showed up, as you mentioned, in great shape and ready to go. But it wasn't like, let's make Marty Nietzsche prove to us. Right? Could have easily said, we're going to play you on the third line. Prove to us, which is hard for a young guy. 
they said, you know, you're a guy. You two who have amazing chemistry on and off the ice, you two, go do it. You're elite young players. Do it together. And from day one, it's been there. All right, you can't use the word confidence when I say what's – what. In, I'm going to go to Shane with this as a, the former player. You can't use the word the confidence is there that okay. wasn't. I think we all have seen that Yep. physically in his game. When yep. you're watching, is there a difference what he's doing this year from last year? Yes. What is it? It's the determination to get to those areas. Last year he played with speed, and he will tell you this, and anyone who watched the game, he played on the outside. But I go to he's inside now, and we showed highlights there night, and I, again, our crew does such a good job pulling highlights. And every one, he's in front of it, he's in the crease, he's taking a shot in the back when he's scoring. He's inside the dots, which we talk about so much compared to last year. And then I go back to what you said, Scott. His defensive game and his commitment to coming back, he's using that speed offensively, but in transition, he's all over somebody's back coming back, getting pucks away. That commitment defensively, and we hear Rod say it all the time. And when kids, I mean, I work with kids all the time, like, look at how hard they play defensively. They're still going to score. It's so big in the game, and I just love the commitment he's had this season. All right, so this leads to a deeper dive, which is perfect for you, Scott. Because when you look at these first-round draft picks, we expect them to be superstars day one in the league. Yeah. If you're in the first round, and in particular, if you are you know, a, a lottery pick, if you are in that, I'm gonna, I'll put the cutoff number. I should say 10, but I'm going to bump it down. If you are selected in the top 15, sure. people expect you to not just be a player in the NHL, but some kind of star. I think last year we saw it with Tage Thompson where everybody was ready to give up on him, and now – you know, well, this is a guy who might score 60. Remember, St. Louis did. Yeah. Because he but, was put in the trade. But they did it, again, but they did it to try, and they can tell you, we do it again. They won a Stanley Cup, getting right. Ryan O'Reilly in return. Like, oh, that's, but they thought they were throwing in a nothing because Buffalo was like, we'd like this kid. And they're like, sure, you can take him. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, Natchez, for me, is the guy with the Canes that you look at and you say, sometimes you just got to be patient with a guy. So, if we do a deeper dive, sometimes – how patient can you be with these guys? Or is, is it a cautionary tale for GMs? Like you give up or do sometimes first-round picks just need a change of scenery to, to figure it out? Because the place they go probably wasn't the best place for them to try to develop and become a player. Yeah, you know, here's, uh, here's what I think. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough over the years. Uh, I had sat in on the draft room with the Hurricanes the, in 2018, after Tom Dunnan had bought the team and Rod Brindamore's first year, or first literally yeah. weeks as, as head coach. And what happened at that draft table, draft meetings, was really the decision to move on from Jeff Skinner. And what that was about was how does this team want to play, what is the structure going to look like, and who are the players who can play within that structure. And, of course, everyone knows when Jeff Skinner was dealt to Buffalo, you know, the return was not commensurate given the talent level. And Jeff Skinner he scored north of 40 goals, I believe, in that first year for Buffalo. It's a young man who still has not played an NHL playoff game and won't play an NHL playoff game this year. So you, to, I guess the answer for me is, what do you believe in your heart of hearts as an organization? Does this player make sense for us and how we want to play and how we want to be? And so... You know, Jeff Skinner moved on, the Canes moved on, and I, you know, every measure of success is the Canes are on the right track, right? You know, they, they, you know, they need to go to Stanley Cup final. Uh, I talked to a 
GM this week who says it's inevitable, and it wasn't Don Waddell. <laughs> <laughs> it's inevitable. This was it me and Mike on the fantasy line? <laughs> it <laughs> might have been, yeah. <laughs> so you know, to me, that's it's it's not. It, you talk about when do you? Yeah, you decide you have to move on when you believe in your heart of hearts that you have to move on, and, and it happens. The interesting part, you know, and it's it's not entirely the same, but if you watch what happened with the Nashville Predators this year, uh, a few weeks ago, got to a point with first round pick, late first round, but still a good talented player, Eli Tolvanen. Yep, you know, couldn't could not fit for what John Hines and the Predators wanted to do, and obviously now. They felt they might be able to sneak him through waivers. Didn't work out. Seattle claimed him. He's playing on the power play there. He's more or less a point-of-game player for the Kraken. I, and I think David Poyle, the GM in Nashville, has you know, maybe acknowledged, geez, you know, maybe, maybe that was one we let get away. Well, and I think maybe in that position, why didn't you just put out a feeler to see if anyone was willing to trade him? Yeah, it, the whole it, it, the putting him on waivers and then losing him is that's troubling because you get more. no, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. get no yeah. assets back. Well, then, and, and then, it's, but to your point, and I think this is what we're talking about. Like, let's just say, in the off season or, or even last year at the trade deadline, there'd been a deal, and Marty Netchas goes somewhere else, and then he is at twenty three years old, a point of game player, on a very manageable deal, moving forward, and 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 you have regret because you're like, geez, that that's kind of because you need those players, right? You can't. You can't have, you can't bring in Max Pacioretty. You can't bring in Brent Burns. You can't make a deal that the Canes may make at the trade deadline if you haven't drafted and developed and kept your own young players because those young players are almost always on more manageable contracts. And yep. so it's a domino effect, and that's why the patience is so, because once you give up, how do you, you, unless you've got other kids coming up that can adequately yep. replace them, you're spending more to replace that right. player. You're now. either in a tougher cap situation or you're back to you know, almost a rebuild mode. But I love the part, Mike, and you mentioned a player leaving and going to play somewhere else. And the player you talk about from Nashville, Tolvanen, is a great example because he just didn't find that chemistry with anyone in that lineup. So it wasn't working for him. He's a great player. Yeah. But now he's in Seattle getting all the opportunity in the world to play on a more of an open system and run and gun. It's a really good and team it in works Seattle. There, right? It's crazy. Yeah. And, and and it's just adding a few pieces from last year that weren't there, like a Maddie Beneers. Yeah. And you go back to the draft room for the Carolina Hurricanes and moving on from Jeff Skinner and they feel, Okay, we're gonna move on. But you're looking down of like who fits into those pieces yep. in our system that's gonna commit to play I I want them to play that way yep. from Rod's mind. Yep. And he puts the pieces in, and everyone's been here. Again, Rod talks about how much he loves his locker room because they've all committed. Yep. And when you have that, you're going to find success. You can never have the freelance one guy hanging around. Yeah. And this organization is committed that if they have that, they're going to move on from him and find a key culture-type piece to put in at a manageable rate. Yep. Well, But to your point, and, and we'll use Tolvanen as the example, why didn't you find somebody to trade with? I, I got to give David Boyle credit because I I don't know how many times I've heard a general manager go well if this goes the way it's going to go that's clearly this is my fault and it was a mistake on our part to waive him but you know David Boyle very well I mean he's I think he's what one of the original six general managers in the history of hockey he's been around the game that long Winningest GM in yeah. NHL yeah. history Hall of Fame but yeah he um American American you have to yeah 
and that's one for you. You're welcome. Just so you guys know, we do. I we, follow we, this stuff. We figured it out after a while. I support down here. USA hockey. 360 days of the year. Yeah, all right, good for you. <laughs> Enjoy that World Junior Championship. Uh, anyway, uh, what I was driving at is, you know that Poyle kicked the tires on it, and and the return was nothing. So his thought around the league and whoever did it, and congratulations for playing poker because that's what it is. Well, there's not enough there for me. If I trade this guy and get a sixth-round pick, which let's just say even that if that it was, was a it. third, this guy was a first-round pick. Even if he would have launched him for a third-round pick, he would have got carved. Yeah, people are gonna. And so yeah. you try to sneak him through waivers, and it doesn't work. And hey, and good, good for him. You know, the the league is filled with guys like that. I just. I, I just wanted to use this as an example for fantasy hockey where Shane just wanted to drop Matt Barzal, and I said, no, let me see if I can make an acquisition for him, How's which that hasn't working out worked for out us? for us because <laughs> Jacob Markstrom has not the been The Calgary Jacob Flames Markstrom. are in trouble. Yeah. Yes. Another tough one last night. Yes. Brutal. Yes. He's killing us. Well. Fans out there, send so us a note. I wanted to offer he's, you back my, on, he's back on the market. He, I wanted to offer you my <laughs> apologies, but we would have given away Barzal for nothing. This is true. Now so we this, need to trade Markstrom. Anyone, okay. call us. This goes back to Scott. Sometimes the best trades you make are the ones you don't. So uh, that's what we should have done. Yeah. Uh, let's bring the it back. Islanders stink, too. Let's bring it back to the Carolina Hurricanes, though, and uh, how this team is, is playing and, and what they're doing is how they're constructed. I, I take a look around the league. And I start to notice a bunch of teams because sports is a copycat thing. When one team starts winning, a lot of other teams start to follow it. But if you look at, and Shane talked about the intangible in the locker room, but if you look at how this team is built, I mean, I I think that they've laid out a blueprint for other teams in the league. I think we all can see that's what Kevin Adams is trying to do up in Buffalo, uh, what he's putting together. Uh, I would love to tell you that's what Arizona is doing, but I have no idea what Arizona is doing. But there there are a couple of teams that are out there. But how this team is constructed, is this an easy thing to do or a hard thing to do? Well, I, I think it's <clears throat> I think the theory is easy because you know, all the components that you see here are components that every team would agree is what you want, depth, speed, skill, commitment. You ha- have to have an elite coach. But no, and yeah, the the theory, the blueprint is there for everyone to see or to refer to. It's it's putting it all together and it's clear that not every team, you know, can do it. Or and you and again, you go back to this notion that you, you have to have a, a the true belief everywhere, right? So ownership and your GM and your scouting team, everyone has to be on the same page to say, these are the kinds of players we want, and who are we going to sign? Who are we going to acquire? Who are we going to draft? And if you aren't, if you have outliers, you're like, well, you know, let's draft this guy who doesn't fit. Well, then you've wasted that pick. Or Let's bring this guy in because he's cheap. Yeah. Well, then you set yourself back. You know, I think of teams like like I, you know, the the team that Tom Fitzgerald is is building and has built in New Jersey. I think is fairly similar. Very young, very fast, very skilled. They're probably are they heavy enough to win long term in the playoffs? Do they have the goaltending? All kinds of questions. There's no perfect team, right? You know, even as good as Tampa has been the last three years they're not a perfect team so um i think though it's the hardest part is at those critical pieces is your coach and i don't just talk about rod brindamore to me it's the entire coaching staff here and how they work together and how they have a unified voice and theme um they're that's hard that's hard to do and then to get your leadership group like is there 
is there a better fit as a captain, coach, coaching staff relationship between Jordan Stahl and this coaching staff no. here than any other team in, in the NHL? And I don't know the other teams, those relationships as well, but just, you know, observation. I would say that that's hard too. And if you don't have that, you know, like here's a good example. What's the real, you know, what is going on in Florida? You know, Paul Maurice, a coach well known, of course, to this community here in this marketplace. You know, that's a President's Trophy winning team from a year ago. And they're now they're starting to play a little bit better and they may make themselves into a playoff team, but man, they've dug themselves a huge hole. So finding the fit is, is that's the hard part, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I think that is the number one thing, and they've talked about the locker room. That started changing five years ago. Yep. You know, when Rod took over, we're going to change the culture here. It's going to take time. It didn't take as long no, as most take. people thought. Yeah. Um, took a training But camp. it's because of the people they had in there. You know, yeah. Justin Williams, big part of that, Jordan Stahl, of what it was going to take. And it wasn't, let's go out and spend but character $15 million guys, on some superstar. No, it was a trade that they made during the playoffs the year before, bringing in a guy like Jordan Martinuk, who learned under a captain like Shane Doan, of this is how a locker room should work. Well, and you and Tripp were talking about the trade with the Rangers. You bring in Brady Shea, and yeah. then you bring in Jesper Foss. Like, Jesper Foss, what a quality guy that is in your lineup. Yep. Was he five years in a row? Yeah. The internal yeah, the players player, players players player. in New York and then he wins it here. Yeah. I mean, so that's so that's gotta tell you, you the guy that, you're that's, with. that's what you're talking about. You're putting together a puzzle. You're putting together not and here's where I go back to my playing days. You're putting together a puzzle, but you're putting together a family that's gotta be as tight as any family out there. And these guys are. Fully truly this team is tight. Well, I can dot some eyes on what you guys were talking about with this. Scott, I there isn't a better Coach captain relationship in the NHL where it's on the same page. Everybody's on the the message is going to be received loud and clear. The question I wanted to ask though is when Shane, you use the word buy in, you know, you get the buy in, you get it used to be you got to sell the veterans on this is how we're going to play. You're going to come here and you're going to play like this. And that's a hard sell for guys who played a certain way. I think is it now, and I might be wrong, is it a harder sell to convince younger guys? This is how you have to play. Where I think you go back to Shane when you were coming up, you were a goal scorer. You are a sniper. But they were going to sell you. you got to play like this, Shane, if you want to get in the roster. And your thought is, well, I better do that or else I'm not going to play. Whereas, you know, the older guys would be like, oh, I've you know done this in the league. you got to accommodate me. Now I look at it and I think it's the other way. It's a harder sell for trying to convince a younger guy. you got to scrap how you, you've played these three, four years where you're scoring 50 in junior or you lit it up in college, you've got to now adapt to play here or you're not going to play here. Well, and Seth Jarvis is a guy that's still on that curve, right? He's still battling. Last year he went through and he, he said in an interview, he's like, I had to get things together. I wasn't doing it right. And it's a hard lesson for a young guy to learn because it is, you're not playing junior anymore. This is real hard-hitting, strong men that compete night in, night out. And the razzle-dazzle, poke it around, jump around doesn't work in this league. Um, and it's a hard lesson for a young guy to learn. And I go back to when Max Domi came in last year yep. and one of his first interviews goes, I these guys work hard. <laughs> and he was so, he's like, I am, it is, I've never been in a room that works like these guys. Yep. I think that, I mean, to win in this league now, you have to draft and develop. And so you're in theory, your core is going to be 
as it is here. It's that young group. Yeah, Martin Nook and Jordan Stahl and, <clears throat> you know, obviously you bring in guys like Brent Burns and uh, Paul Stastny. But, but really, the core is your homegrown guys. They're still young. So, like, if those guys aren't buying in, where is this team? How many of them are still here? Yeah. What does this team look like? If you don't have that full buy, and, I, and Shane, I think shit, Seth Jarvis is such a perfect example because, you know, he starts, should he go back to junior, comes, he plays, he's, you know, he's healthy scratch a couple times, ice time goes up and down. But he worked himself into a place where he was rewarded for his work and with prime opportunities and prime time, and he continued to evolve. And, and what a great story. Uh, honestly, best skater on the ice as far as I'm concerned in that second round against the, the New York Rangers. And maybe through the both rounds, might have been the best player on for the Hurricanes. And, and that's good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. don't want your kid to be doing yeah. that. And it, it did. I think it's fair to say there was lots of room for improvement for some of the other players. But I thought it was so impressive what Seth Jarvis has done. But it, the interesting part is it's not a straight line, right? Like it, it's been a bit of a struggle for him this yeah. year. I think he's been better of late. Yeah. But it is. But again, it's this. You, you have to understand that it's not. It isn't just a straight line straight up to glory, right? There's lots of hiccups, and yep. you gotta. You got. You have to be in it for the long haul, and you can't. You can't. You mentioned earlier. You can't be the knee jerk where, the first sign of trouble or the first slide, you're like, oh, let's. Okay, Seth Jarvis is out of the lineup, or now he's right. playing six minutes a night, or. Just can't you just have to believe what well, you and see? It totally you have to believe the mental believe. side of a young player more than a veteran. You know, veteran guys get in there like in a bow up, and they're like, "I'll get back in there." You know, yeah. a young guy's like, "What? Are they sending me out? Are they trading me?" Like that. What totally affect. To I mean, all of those things come into play and go back to Rod and the entire coaching staff of how they work with these guys. Everyone and you made a great point on the on the game there, and I'm like, he makes everyone feel valued. Yeah, and, and everyone wants to compete because they know he wants them to. And he believes in them wholeheartedly. Rod doesn't want to, I mean, we talk about trade deadline. Rod doesn't want to make anything because he loves no. his room. He loves every guy in there. We, he believes in that. And when your coach does that, you're going to go through the wall. And I think, you know, that's where I want to kind of go to next. When we look at, Hurricanes play great, right? A little bump in the road, 111 straight. Yeah. You know, all these points. The Canes are atop the Metro by one point. Yeah. They like, talk about the Metro division, some of these teams – how you view them, uh, you know, the Devils sitting at number two, the Rangers at three. As we approach all-star break, yep. the rest period, and then the trade deadline. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's I think it's what I thought it would look like. Like, I really, I, the Devils are the surprise story for me. I thought they would, if they were going to evolve, it would be into that wild card mix. Were they good enough to, you know, but they've obviously, and yep. I don't, I think they're, I think the top three are the top three. Uh, with all you know, Pittsburgh, man, I don't know what's going on there. Lose to Ottawa last night. There's a lot of, I don't know what's going on with the Penguins. And the Caps are an interesting team for me because of all their injuries and they're continuing to miss John Carlson, who had that horrific puck to the head. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, Tom Wilson's back, Nicholas Backstrom's back, Ovechkin is Ovechkin. Kumper is, has been a surprise to me. So I think the Caps are a playoff team, but I don't think they jump into the top three. So they're, you got Devils, Rangers, Hurricanes. How does it play out? I think you, yeah, I think you want to win the division. You want to give yourself home ice advantage yeah. as long as you can. Um, no one's catching Boston, so you know, in terms of 
overall seating in the East, but Tampa's uh, charging. <clears throat> no, I, I, yeah, Boston but, has but just doesn't lose though. It's so five crazy. losses in regulation. Five in regulation. It is crazy. But to to that end, I wanted to point out the Hurricanes in forty four games have nine losses in regulation. And and this is Scott. I'm sorry to do this because you are a, a very sane individual. Uh, you have Burnside on hockey or a contributor to CarolinaHurricanes.com. The Carolina Hurricanes have nine losses in regulation. There have only been nine out of 44 games yep. where the Carolina Hurricanes did not earn a point in the standings. And yet people are concerned about, well, what happens when? And I, I wish that I could put the mentality of, yes, I know it's results, and if you lose in overtime, you didn't win the game, but hockey is a points-based system, not a one-loss system. It's the amount of points you can get. Fans of this organization, if I would have told you that we are halfway through January and the team you cheer for doesn't have double-digit losses, they're fine. They're fine. Are we not? Columbus barely has double-digit wins. Exactly. (laughs) Well, if I'm not mistaken, the Hurricanes are roughly at the same point production level as they were a year ago. So, but I, I understand, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I understand why like, concerns are a relative thing. But I understand there, there are certain things about this team that, I, you know, I think they're a little bit better this year in terms of their discipline. Like, I, they're minor, you know, this we talked about this last year, that thing that always drove me crazy when you look at a team this good and took as many bad penalties as they did. They were among the league leaders in minor penalties taken, and they've cut down on that. So, But special teams, you know, penalty kills getting a little bit better, had a rough start, so... Can't it's yeah. un, you know the expectation that they could be number one again? Okay, power play problematic, but again, I think those are things. I think those are manageable things because you know that you have the assets, especially with Max Pacioretty coming back in the lineup and getting healthy. He's going to help the power play given his, you know, physical presence and his ability to shoot. And I think Brent Burns. I had a long chat with Brent Burns, um, and I, I was impressed by his candor talking about how he's still nervous, how he still understands he's making mistakes and trying to fit in with Jacob Slavin. I think the pairing has been pretty darn good. Yeah, I think they've been really good, but it's interesting that he feels that he's not there yet. And again, I think those are positive signs when you look ahead to what, okay, yeah, your special teams, you know, is you'd like to improve on that, but you can. And I think that's important to have teams teams that have goals to say, let's get better at this over the last half or third of the season. Well, isn't that a great thing, though, to have? I'm with you, Scott. I think I don't think Brent Burns will say it's a great thing that he feels that way. But to have a guy who is a, leg- a Norris Trophy candidate. He's, winner, I he's going to go good. to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. His numbers are Hall of Fame worthy, I think. But he's in that locker room. Do you think he needs just one thing? Oh, I think if he gets that one thing. Well, oh, he's already done it. He had the interview with me. Oh, oh uh, was that what you were talking <laughs> about? Yes. Sorry, oh, no, you mean bad. the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, that and the Stanley Cup. I think. No, but what I'm saying is that's good for the guys in the room. And I, maybe I'm reading too much in this. But if Jalen Chatfield's sitting in that locker room and he sees Brent Burns, I need to do this. I want to go over this film. I need to think about that. That just osmosis, right? It rubs well, off on the guys in the room. We've talked about how many steps Jalen Chatfield's made in this past month. And he attributes that to guys like Brent Burns and Jacob Slayton because it's around. It's, you just absorb it. If you're a sponge enough kind of guy, and you're humble like Jalen is, just watching those guys on a daily basis, I mean, gets you to another level. 
And then you go and start finding that confidence in the way he skates. All the pieces are falling together. And I love that Brent Burns, I mean, that's why he's been in the league so long. That's why he produces like he does, because he puts that pressure on himself. He says, I need to be better. I love this team, one, and we harp on the special teams all the time. But if there's one thing to fix, to me, that's probably the easiest with the skill level you have, right? It's not that, oh, what's we need to trade three guys to get a better power play. Nope. You just need to snap it around a little bit quicker, get one in the back of the net, and that thing will snowball the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fixable, it's fixable yeah. stuff, right? And, and I think that's – and listen, I – you know, listen, Boston, what Boston has done and is doing is remarkable given the injuries they had to start the season. And I think we talked Brand about Brand new head coach. Kids. Brand new head coach. Uh, honestly, put them, I, I felt they would, I felt given some of the changes in the East, I felt the Bruins were a team you could take out of the top eight. Yeah. What do I know? Yeah. Going to run away with oh. the, they may, I, they may. I had them probably getting a wild card just because they're the Bruins. Yeah. You know, and sneaking in. Like, and we didn't know, like, we didn't know when Marshan was going to be back. We didn't know when Mac. Really I am was fully, be back. speaking of that. What I'm, was Krejci going to be coming back? Clearly he's, he is the straw that stirs that drink as wow. great as everybody else. Yeah. Is Pasternak there. enjoys him being back in town. Exactly. Yeah. I am shocked because one, when I go into next season and these guys have these injuries, I mean, terrible injuries that they're having surgeries on. When the reports come out, I'm going to believe none of them. They're lying. <laughs> the doctor will be better. They're lying, or they're which our trainers are the best. Like what's happening? No, what I'm saying. So it's like when this happens. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. You're going to just send back all of the medical reports. Then send it back. He's not even hurt. <laughs> so okay. he should, he's skating tomorrow. He just had hip surgery. <laughs> well, let me ask you. Modern this. medicine. So I have I've been now espousing this theory for a few weeks, oh. given how well the Bruins have been playing. And I think the biggest challenge now for Jim Montgomery, who's, I think, hard to imagine he doesn't win Jack Adams. Yeah. What a great job there. Wow. What a great story, given his history. And, sure. and, you know, having to leave the Dallas Stars and yeah. admitting a, uh, an alcohol problem and coming back. He was a really important part of Craig Berube's staff in St. Louis. And then getting the opportunity in Boston. And, oh, my goodness, it's just it's such a great fit. Great story. But isn't the challenge now, a la Tampa, Tampa Bay in 1819, that team is going to have nothing to play for mm. after All-Star. Nothing. No one can catch them in the Atlantic. No one can catch them for the President's Trophy winning. What's the earliest the team is clinched? Oh, that's I a great know. trivia well, question. Oh, it's it's, it's got to be It's got to be that Montreal team for Scotty that what lost. Lost eight, yeah. eight six All or eight, year, yeah. yes. But I, it's, a, it's a great point because you talk about playing games that are meaningless. You pick up a lot of bad habits. That's where a guy goes out there, he's, he's going at something soft. That's where an injury can happen because... All these teams are coming and be like, just run these guys. Like, what do we have to lose? You use a spouse. I'm going to, and you will not like this. Did you just I'm swear going him? To, I'm going to render your question moot. Because. Hold on. Because, what have you been again? reading? What have you been because, reading, number one? Because if you look at Tampa, and you were right, when they clinched and then they got bounced by Columbus and everybody's like, you know, they mm-hmm. oh, they had nothing to play for. This group, this Boston group, 2011, Yep, and then they lost to the St. Louis Blues. What in twenty nineteen? Nineteen. Yep. This group, this is different. This is Bergeron, and you go up front, Marchant. Those guys, Krejci, they know this is the last run. Right. So they don't. Mm. You can say they might throttle back. I don't. For them right now, I don't think it's important if the Boston Bruins win the division. 
Yeah. I, I really don't. The way that they're playing, and they don't lose at home, for God's sake. Their only loss is to Seattle at home. I know, it's crazy. But I think, and it goes back to what Shane talked about with what goes on in this Canes locker room. That locker room, they know what they're playing for. Right, and that they, leadership that, that's group the difference. is. I think that's yeah. the difference with where other teams you'd be concerned about, like, oh, what do you have to play for if you hadn't won or you go through? They've been through it. Their group has been through it. And I think that that was our mm-hmm. – I was with Shane. I'll give Boston a wild card because that's the last ride for these guys. Yeah. yeah. Everything, I think, in Sneak Jim in, Montgomery upset too, somebody in the first. Because you know Jim Montgomery as well. He's probably looking at this because of that Blues ride that they had to go hammer down January 3rd, although, you know, every game was a playoff game for them. He's going to know it's all about peaking, all about getting you to play your best once we get to April and May. Yeah, and I'm not predicting a sweep at the hands of the Washington Capitals or the Florida Panthers or whatever in the first round. But it is – that will be a challenge, I think. the Panthers would be an interesting matchup. It would be an interesting matchup. But it will be a challenge because what you want to do – you're right, you want to peak, but – and I just remember John Cooper after, you know, after the dust had cleared and they got swept by Columbus, and he's like, we did not have an answer for the urgency. Like, we talked about it. Like they, they're smart, right? Steven yeah, Stamkos yep. is a smart guy. Kucherov, smart guy. Victor Edmund, you know, one of the great – he's going to the Hall of Fame. But they had – they could not answer that in the moment. And it was – I mean, to me, it's still one of my favorite series – of all time because it was so incongruous, but it just, it's like, yeah. you can't assume anything. And that's, that's a great thing of the game. I mean, you're going to get a battle and I never questioned the effort this team's going to come out with, but you throw in the one little word of desperation. That's yeah. another key piece of the puzzle. Do you have that more than the guy across from you? When that puck is 50, 50, which it always is, right? Who has that little piece that they can enter in and, and win it every and time. Time and time yeah. and again, right? Every Not, time. Yeah. And when it starts rolling, I mean, you can go on a streak yeah. as Columbus did that year. But the other, speaking of Florida, because I want to go back to this and I want to talk about our good friend Andre Svechnikov headed to the All Star break and to the All Star game and the festivities there. You've been around a ton. What it'll mean to this young man. And, and how it will truly help his game, because I talked about it the other day, how it will help him build even more and yeah. mature into another player. I like, You know what? I've been to a lot of All-Star events. Uh, I was in Vegas last year. It's a ton of fun. I'm like, the All-Star, the All-Star thing itself, people cannot get, you know, get wound up about who got snubbed. And the games are all garbage. And it's, it's, it's the atmosphere. And I think it is... Here's what I think. I'm always impressed with how important it is to players, young and old, when they show up there. I remember I spent some time with Evgeny Kuznetsov last year at the All-Star Game in, in Vegas. He'd gone through some stuff, and he, re- he loved being there with some of the game's best stars. Like he, he, he loved the environment, and I think it's important for a guy like Andrei Svechnikov and if – Martin Netchas gets a chance to go because what do they shines a light on your abilities and it and it's a validation of the work that you're doing. He knows he's a good player and he understands that. But when you get this kind of recognition and you get to go and hang out with Sidney Crosby and all those players who will be there and having fun and and just the socializing. That's to me for a young player. I think that's the moment of 
I do. I belong here, and I. That's a powerful thing. Uh, I I agree one hundred percent. That's I I want to see how Andre Svechnikov and if Martin Natchez and according to the fan vote, all of North Carolina has voted for Martin Natchez <laughs> to get in. Yeah, with that. It was way. I'm happy I mean, for that to be done on yes. Twitter. By the way, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm I'm happy to see the end of the yeah. Yeah, campaign. He, yeah, so it's, it's so almost much. like the midterm elections, but it, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to see that. Yeah, I'm. I can live with Marty Natchez going to the uh, going to the All Star Game more than anything political that continues yeah. to show up on. <laughs> also, did on you that see great, great app? Um, there was sarcasm in my voice. There when was I said a great. App, there was by a the tweet way. out there. And we t- I'm still on the All Star Game. You don't have a Twitter. Done. How do you know no, there's a tweet? People send this stuff to me. Oh, I appreciate these people. Third hand. Third hand. There was there was a tweet out there. It <laughs> said during the All Stars skills skills competition, it may include players shooting at dunk tanks on the beach. Oh no! But or frozen meat pucks to alligators. That's what is this I truth? want to see. Do you think this is true? No, yes. I Should would, I believe what I, I'm reading? Well, I don't know. Should I believe it to be true? No, Scott, you probably have. I know you have more sources than the two of us here. I heard that the NHL took a scouting trip to see how viable this would be to have players shoot. Yeah. Frozen Svetch meat fires a meat puck; it'll go through the tail. <laughs> I think it's going to be more of an accuracy thing oh. than a hardish Well, shot. how do you get them to open their mouth? It's meat. They're alligators. They're going to they open have, their mouth. They're starving them for the it's whole week. It's a DNA. <laughs> yeah. We lose, a, on yeah that. No, we lose no. a player. Oh, travesty. I'm getting on Twitter if we lose a guy. The, uh, but no, the, it's, in you, their, it's in their DNA. They know. Oh, I, I hope they do it. I, I, you know, again, I'm not too much on the gimmick stuff. Yeah. But being in Vegas last year and they shut down the strip and they're yeah. shooting at the fountain at yeah, the Palacio. Yeah. And you know what? The guys like that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, like it's, it's something different. It's fun, and it's, it can't be, you know, I, I'm old enough that I went through the, you know, the period of time where the NHL had to suspend players mm. who didn't show up at all. So I remember these, was it Lidstrom and Datsuk, I think, might have both been suspended in the one year. But, you know, it's... Ovi took it one year. Ovi, Ovi took this, and Sid took a, a He took it one game. Well, Sid one year came... And he was—he he had a bit of an injury, but he—it was—it was here. He came but didn't play and avoided the suspension. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, you don't. The last thing you want for a showcase event is to be, you know, strong arming players to show, penalizing them if they don't. But also, you can't have it because it's an important break, right? Like yeah. this is—I understand the dynamic, but fun things like that. And if yeah. they're shooting meat pies at a gator, yeah. I'm all in. I'm, I'm tuning I'm, yeah. in. I'm, I'm tuning in. See, I'd I'm love in. to see when they get on the ice for the skills competition because it's come. It's become huge since Andre did the lacrosse goal. Yep. Like having guys do it. How many can you do in a minute, right? Because I'm lucky enough. I walk into youth leagues around the city now. Kids are jamming them. Like, I stopped them. Like, did he just do a lacrosse move? The guy's like, yeah, he does it all the time. I'm like, what? I can't, I can't yeah. even pick it up. And kids are all about it. Uh, so and that's what, it's, that's what the All-Star Game to me is about. Yeah. It's it about the fans. It's about every kid that's tuning in to see the guy that they want to be. And the show, and yeah. for the guys, and I'm going to say this to Andre and Marty when I see them, if Marty gets in, show your charisma. Just oh, be all in, God, all out yeah. there. Those two will be amazing. At I that. was going to say, both those guys have big personalities, and I, I think it's a perfect fit. Again, I think it would be, again, you don't want to read too much into it, but it, to me it's the kind of thing that especially in the dog days of the second half yep. of the season, it can catapult a player to another level. That's and, and I know I said it, but I will say it again. I want to see Andre Svechnikov after the All-Star game for the 
just a little confidence boost that it's going to give them that. You know when a young player is sitting in the room and you're looking around and there are the it, – it's almost the validation of, all right, you belong. You're, you're really in the club now. Yeah. So uh, we do have – had a bunch to get into, but we have a bunch of Twitter questions oh. to get into as well. So, all right, let's start off with a, a softball. With the complete officiating debacle in Boston and Florida, this is from John Stevens, in constant inconsistencies. Coach. No, not the, not the coach. I just thought about that when yeah. I said the name. Yeah. In uh, constant inconsistencies in game-to-game officiating, what has to be done to improve this area of the game, especially when the standard of officiating changes in the postseason? Hard job, yes, but it's out of hand. I, I don't think it's out of hand. I think everybody thinks the does referees. Anybody watch, is he watching the NFL? Oh, so don't, yeah. Don't. No. Anyway, that's. But, I, I go back to again. It, it's easy. It's an easy. That's your easy out. All oh, the refs. You see the blow the call. Guess what? I watch these guys walk out of the room, and they're humans breathing the same air I do, and they're not gonna. They're not gonna see everything. Yeah. Rod talks about it. I believe when Rod says hardest game to officiate of ever. Course. Too Rod, fast. Rod Brindamore, I really do believe has the solution, uh, but the league. You know, well, I think you worry about timing way. and all that I, stuff. I, 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 I don't it. disagree. I get it. Rod wants to take the second referee who's in the way off the ice, <laughs> but put him in the penalty box in that area with a tablet, and if there's a call, just review it. And like he's why he sees the feed. What hmm. about and if there's a call, he can be yes, that was no, that wasn't. It'll take ten seconds and you move on. But what if there's no call and he sees something behind the play that that ref didn't see? It's it's like uh, when a goal is scored, you have a horn, you blow the horn, you call the penalty, mm. or it's or you test. live or you live with that human error because I don't want I don't want this to be robots. There is human error. There, yeah. it's part of the game. The players are going to make mistakes. You don't want the referees. And by the way, the referees <laughs> are never out there. Making a mistake on purpose, like that's the one thing that just drives me no. insane. I, here's what I, I I'm 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 sympathetic to the officials. Although what always bugs me, and it's funny, I've asked Gary Bettman this at various times. In fact, I believe I asked him at the start of the playoffs here last year. You know, that the, there is there is a different standard called in the playoffs. There just is. What about this? What if you had your the same officiating crew? Maybe it's and so it's it's maybe so it's three referees, three lines. When you rotate through those that team referees an entire series, yes. so that your so you know the temperatures. So, yeah. so here's what's going so you know okay, Wes McCauley and you know, so this is the group we have. Yeah. This is their feel for our game, and we have to adjust to it. And they have a conversation. Here's something, you know, we're going to be watching this. As being I, I, what about that? I love I, that idea. I've I don't mind that, that but as a coach, do I get to decline the team I get? Because no. Paul Maurice may decline yeah. the group if it was in Toronto. Oh, no. there but then you specifically have <laughs> yeah. that group from Toronto. Yeah. But Just, <laughs> Justin St. Pierre is going to be on every <laughs> playoff series. Sorry, Mo. That's yeah. how Mo needs to put his mask I, back on so they can't see what he's saying. That, to me, was always my solution because baseball does it. Yeah. Football does it. This is the same officiating crew this is the same umpiring crew for your series yeah all the way through i've never understood why because at least you then know going in this is how shane calls it this is how scott calls it Here's, and you, you can get that feeling where then when you throw me in the mix well mike's going to call it different from shane yeah. and then we it, it's i've never understood why they rotate that well, in i do I, I like that because again as a ref i'm coming to a series i just was ref in a game last night say in washington and now i come to carolina 
I didn't see the first game, yeah. so why is this so heated? Why is this happening? Yeah, what do you, I? You know what's yeah. happening in the series, and especially when you're on the, the direction ice. it's going to go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally for yeah. that. That's what I was saying, totally. because that's to me the the part that's the hardest, and I hate that I, you know, and they can deny it, but as the games go along, deeper in a playoff game and then deeper in a playoff series, I just wish that the, I wish the consistency. Foul in the first period of game one has to be called yeah. in overtime in game yeah. seven. Yeah. And, and I, I honestly, I think there is a hesitancy to call you it that way. The, and again, myself, I don't want to be the guy that determines the series. I, see, my argument on that is, and I well, know no, this I think is that's what they're feeling. Oh, no, totally. The, the, uh, we don't want to decide the series. When you don't call a penalty... You are deciding the series. Yeah, correct. Because you're not because if their count- team scores, you allowed them to win the series. Exactly. So. You know what I love? One of my favorite plays of last year in the playoffs. Overtime, Game Seven, Pittsburgh, New York Rangers. I believe it was a former Hurricane, right? Was it Brock again that took the penalty? Yep. Tripped. Yep. Or hooked. Um, yep. Defenseman for the Rangers. Um, Go Truba Schneider. No. Miller. Uh, Fox. Miller. I Miller. think it was Miller. Miller. You know what it was? Andre Miller. It was. And Panarin scored the overtime winner on the power play. And you know what? I, I, I don't believe Mike Sullivan, which is a little unusual for Mike Sullivan, I don't think there was any complaint at all. It was a penalty. It got called. Yeah. The game and the series were over. But that's how it should have been done. So if you don't call that penalty, right? If you don't call that trip, maybe the Penguins go down and score on the ensuing rush or five minutes later, then that's, a, that's an injustice. So I, I love that part of it because it was a foul it got called at a most critical moment, and it did decide the series. Let's have a ref on. We know a couple. I do. I know one local. Uh, yes, you do. But we can also, you know, Tim Peel, uh, if Tim's listening, yeah. good guy. Tim Tim goes everywhere now. He'll talk. He just travels? Yeah. Well, he, I mean. Is he working for the league now? No. No. No, no. No, he's not. <laughs> that's, that's, Shane, that's not happening. Oh. Sorry, Tim. Uh, this is from Kimberly. Yeah, it's all right. That's that's your whoopsies. I'm not on social media. Yeah, that's fine, and you shouldn't be. Uh, Kimberly Pfaff, as a new hockey fan, what should I be looking for when trying to decide if the Canes are playing well and who's most likely to go if the Canes make trades before the deadline? Oh, Two good questions. Um, if they're going, <clears throat> I think what you'll look for is obviously scoring chances. doesn't always just look at goals. But I always focus on the amount of time they're spending in the offensive That's zone, mine. the way they utilize That's their forecheck, creating turnovers and getting those chances. Yep. Yeah, Great answer. Um, and I don't think, you know, again, I know with the salary cap and, and the trade deadline coming up on March 3rd, I, I think the Canes are one of those teams that is unlikely to make a deal where you would see a roster player go. My guess is that Don Waddell and his staff, if they can make a deal, just as they did last year at the trade deadline with Max Domi, that you're bringing in a player and it's picks or a young player in, in the Chicago system, Chicago or in junior, or in junior uh, that will be going the other way. Unless it's a significant deal, which might you know affect if the cap is being really affected and you have to move somebody from your roster, but my guess is that's un- less likely to happen. All right, uh, this question comes in from somebody who was banned from asking questions, but I'm going to allow this one. Fuzzy for on ice. If you could add anyone currently playing to the team for a playoff push, who, who would it be? Uh, we can't answer that question. You should know that because Shane and I work for the team, as does Scott, so we don't get into specifics about trades. Are you rebanning him? No. <laughs> but 
But there's there's a part of the question that part is two? good. Part two. Would you add a, a rental or a player with term left? And I'm gonna I'm gonna generic it because we can't comment on things like that. Uh, I for me. Do you think I can't? That's an interesting question. I mean, okay. I mean, you can, Scott. You can do whatever you want to do. That determines the answer for me. Is it depends on who the guy is. I, I mean, when you talk about a rental, like if if the rental, I look at it, and you can tell me that it would, you know, guarantee the Canes make it four rounds. Yeah, a rental is always worth it. But you always are looking for, I think, when you can, a player with term. Because I I hate uh, if I'm in that general manager position, giving up assets for something that is only going to be on my roster for three two, months. three months. Yeah. it's But it's interesting where teams, you know, Colorado added Josh Manson and Arturi Lekkanen, correct? Yeah. yeah. Last year. Signed them both. Yes. Kept their both with the team. Yeah. Um, so you can't, you know, I mean. Well, a lot of that investigation goes on during the trade, like yeah. with agents. Or is he going to be willing to stick around yeah, with us? Is he worked? not? Yeah. You know. And as good as they have been for a – Injury riddled abs team this year, re-signing them meant Nazem Kadri had to go up to, you know, Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, no, yeah. So there is. A, I I think you're right, Mike. The the idea that you prefer to have yeah. a a player with term often means a younger player, right? You know, like everyone knows that Patrick Kane is going to be on the market. Probably not a fit here, guys. It's cap hits ten point five million dollars. You're going to need the third team to defray the cap hit. It's a lot of moving parts for a player like uh, Patrick Kane. Um, you know, I think in general, if you're the Hurricanes, because you're, you know, assuming good health and assuming the return of Max Pacioretty, it's almost like you've already added a player at the deadline. You know, are you looking at a left-hand shot defenseman to bolster? Listen, you can't have enough defensive depth. Um, left-handed shot defenseman, I think, you know, probably makes sense. You know, again, term, rental, it yeah. all depends on the cost uh, going yeah. out. It's yeah. it's very fluid, and it changes day by day. The closer you get to the trade deadline, like there are a lot of high-end players who, in theory, are going to be on the market, right? And Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly and Jacob Chitron, who's not a rental but has been on the yeah. you know, in the rumor mill for years and years. A lot of those players, not everyone can afford yeah. – what GMs would like to get for those players, right. and that may change. You know, Don Waddell waited till what two fifty nine. You get a fifty goal score for a six rounder. I'm in. Yo, well, of course. All right, <laughs> oh, there <laughs> you go. Scott, give us yep. a name. Then. Give us a name. Okay, who you'd put here? Um, I think I think you're more look. I to me, I think again, assuming good health. I just want you as the GM. Who would yeah. you put here if you could do it? Um, I I'm thinking you know Joel Edmondson's a good player, familiar. Yep. Um, Montreal's going to try and make some moves uh, on their end. Um, I think it's sort of the lower profile stuff. Here's the other thing, though, that I think a lot of people will be talking about. And and my guess is that Don Waddell, who, he, like, he's got the green light. So, like, this is, these are discussions my guess is he will have. Is there a way to bolster your depth down the middle with an elite player? And, and again, this is, it's not a secret, right? Bo Horvat was in here with the Vancouver Canucks the other night. He's on an expiring contract. It seems all but certain he cannot re-sign in Vancouver. So is he a player that could fit here and play a style that helps power play and makes you a better team vis-a-vis going on deep runs? So, but again, the cost here, it's, it's, a really, it's always a tricky, tricky thing. Yeah, Especially this time of year, the cost is through the roof. Right now, yes. Who's well, going to panic first and make the move? I, I was, I had this, 
I, I had this conversation with an executive, uh, and, and we were just chatting, so I can't, I, I won't say it. But the theory was, and it was an interesting one, why aren't teams that are at the bottom of the standings and in the hunt for the first overall draft pick, which means Connor Bedard, and, like, Connor Bedard is... Yes, really unloading. Over, overworked term, generational player. He is as good a player, almost, just a little bit below where Connor McDavid was yep. coming in. He's that good. Mm-hmm. So the th- this executive was, why aren't teams like Anaheim and Columbus and Chicago, Chicago. and Montreal and Arizona... Moving those guys now. Aren't you, yeah, why wouldn't you take less... To move an asset now and get worse and get worse, like why are why are you if you're holding and also I'm known saying, as tanking? Well, no, because <laughs> well, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, I, to get that guy, like if you're Chicago and Max Domi's on an expiring deal, yep. you know about Kane and Taves. If you're Kyle Davidson, wouldn't I would, would be, it matter I would if you got a second round instead of a? You know, I don't know what but your because package. if if every it's in. It's intriguing to me, and the concept is solid. But one, the league doesn't want that. And two, if everybody does it, now you're telling your fans, you're going to watch this garbage, and there's no guarantee we get this guy. No, there is no guarantee, but they know that anyway. And I'll also throw this in because I was looking at it the other day (coughs) online. Chicago's my team that should be doing this because you can take less because right now as you sit, as of today. Do they have two first under contract next year, though? No, but they have two first two seconds, and two-thirds already. So give me any one of those rounds to give me three picks and get maybe four picks. I'll come along. I'll unload. All right. We got a couple more questions we want to get through. But again, I'm, I'm a fantasy draft. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get to that too. Uh, this is from Mark. Uh, he lists a whole bunch of players for the Canes, but older players. Do players need games off here and there to be ready for the postseason? Anaheim was the only team with 12 players over 75 games and won the cup, meaning 12 players have played 75 games or more. 11 out of 30 over 10. So just a question. No, you play. I I, I do not want the NBA. This is a, a load management game. for No, if, if the guy wants to play, you play him. Simple. Yeah. None, and I can tell you from a player's perspective, no one wants to come out. Exactly. This, Unless they're dealing with some type of injury, you're going to say, no, I don't want to sit at home and rest tonight. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's no. not in our DNA. No, no. no. I, th- I think the well, Max Pacioretty is probably a good example. It, my understanding is that he missed a couple of games. Were at the playoffs, he'd have been in the lineup. Well, that makes right. sense. You're playing yeah. cautious right now. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. That's, and I think Shane, you that's the issue. You know, you're in the first week of April. If Jordan Stahl's hand is bugging him, yep. don't you take a night off. That's yeah. but yes. that's different as to. Scott, I don't know if you should play 82 games. Let's give you a night right. off. You're healthy. We're going to get, although nobody is, you know, nobody's healthy through any right. 82 games. But I, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a balancing thing. I, no. And no, I, I think, but I, and it goes back to this whole, you know, building for those critical moments. Yeah. To me, it's this, it, when you are doing that, there's a signal of slowing down. And whereas, you know, how do you, how do, you do that and then crank it back yep. for game one of the first that, round? That's my right. thing. Talking about playing at a high level. When you're taking days off, your body just kind of starts going into neutral. Yeah. Uh, uh, this from Brooks Hill. I'm going to take this one. I know it's a long ways away, but when the Olympics happen again, what canes do you think will represent their countries? All of them. Just going to go with all of them. Wow. All of the Americans. Thanks, Mike. All of the Americans, all of the Danes, all of the Czechs, all of the, the Swedes, all of the Finns. I think they all should go. 
right. You're kind of a a participant guy. I'll go go with a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. I think it's pretty clear. Although, I mean, every time we get closer, of course, to the Olympics will be in twelve years by that's, the time the NHL plays in them. So that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So who knows who'll be there? That's Disappointing. Way too far out. Yeah, but yeah. I want to see that tournament so bad with this group of, of NHL players. I think they should just bring back the Canada Cup. Uh, Love the Canada Cup. Oh yeah, hey. or the, the World Cup of Hockey. You could do it. Uh, since the stadium series is an NHL production, what can we expect to see from those of you who are our regularly scheduled broadcasting team, or is it more of a day off if that's possible? Well, you should know, one, this broadcast Take the day off. Yeah, yeah thanks. I, I wondered that. Do you guys got to rip the radio? Yes, we're doing the radio. Uh, we're, trying to get you on the, we're trying to get you as our sideline reporter. Can you tell oh. the story? Can you share what, what I your was plans planning. are? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to be, Chip and I are going to be ringside calling the game. I think it's so cool. That's going to be outstanding. I can't wait for it. I was planning on being in the stands ripping Stormbrew. Oh, then that's fine. <laughs> then you can stay right there. <laughs> with my with the people. I'm a man of the people but, that I day. Mean, the complaining actually, no, we do radio because it's simulcast. So Trip and I will be doing the radio side I of things. I think that's great. I, you know, it's awesome. I, I hope they, I hope you get some good Canes winter gear, maybe no, some gloves, yeah, earmuffs. Yeah. Gloves and a hat. If I get Let's, gloves and a hat, I'd be good. Uh, Don, if you're listening. What's the prediction on temperature that day? 50 degrees. Mike says 50. I'm with you. I'm, I say 48 to 50. It's going to be yeah, It's going to be a nighttime. It's going to be perfect. So, yeah. 8 o'clock. Yeah, perfect. it's going to be great. I'm going to go with like a 44 as it 44? keeps dropping yeah. down. Ooh, I'm good be with nice. that. Uh, I'm going to wear my Canada toque. Nice. Does it have flaps down the <laughs> yes. side? Yeah. yeah. A little fur? Yeah. Thank yep. you. And the knob top. on the top? No knob. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, I'm anti-knob <laughs> ball on the top. But um, thank you for calling it toque, boys, because that's what it is. Uh, what team would make an exciting first-round uh, matchup for the Canes? Me, this is person in NC. Personally, I think it would be the Penguins. I think the, the the way that that series has gone, the Penguins would be great. I think Florida would be a great first-round matchup, too. Yeah, no, I think I, – see, I think Canes will be the two-seed. So they're going to get the top wild-card team. Second wild-card team. Yeah, the top. The first. The first wild-card team. The best no. wild-card team. Oh, that's oh, yeah, true. The, yes, yeah. that's right. Yes, the one wild I misread card, that. Not the yes. Two. yes. So my right now will be Washington, I believe. Yeah, I believe it'll be a battle between Washington or Pittsburgh because I agree with you at the top. I think the Devils will hang on there too. So much firepower, which I think won't help them in the playoffs. Yeah, but they're close. How about? I mean, it, it doesn't. It's not even the question. But Rangers Devils series? Oh, come on, oh boy. Let's hope that happens. The league would like to, so the season end tomorrow for that to happen. Oh. And of course, if the Canes do happen to slide into that 2-3 spot, then you are likely looking at either Rangers-Devils. Or Rangers-Canes. Yeah, that's what well, I'm sorry. Ranger-Canes playing either the Rangers yeah. or Devils. Anyway. Yeah. anyway. I'm, I'm with that. Uh, speaking of standings, Shane. Yes. After high expectations for the fantasy hockey season, the Can-Am Connection has fallen to sixth place in the Canes Cast Conference. What are your plans to turn the team around? Hold on. on. Go look, yeah, well, we're third in the division, sixth overall. Uh, first off, we're halfway. I'm loading the phone right now. First off, no, Shane, first off, Come talk to us when the season's over. Secondly, we're on a ripper right now. We're up 10 points in this week's contest. So the standings change weekly, folks. But as they... Uh, how, do you, if, how do you pull up the whole league? Eh, I can only worry. see the divisions. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're in sixth? How yeah. far out of fourth? Third? Uh, like this, week, game? this week we'll be in second. So uh, I love it, quote, though. I love the chirps. To quote Omar from The Wire, if you take a shot at the king, you best not miss. Yeah. If you're not, uh, if you're not ready for some chirps, you shouldn't be in the league. Yeah, Scotty, this one's for you. What are you reading, and is it good? Oh, what am I reading? That's from Chris Baker. Yes. Um, 
You know what? I just uh, read a book called One Foot in Eden. It was okay. Um, I I was watching. You know, I just watched. I'm, see, I'm not even going to answer the question. I'll answer my own. <laughs> but uh, uh, I watched a series called The English, which was outstanding. Right. Outstanding. I, I encourage. It's a bit hard. It's a Western. It's outstanding. Okay. Someone told me about this show. I'm not, big, I'm not a big reader, so I'm going to talk about TV. Someone told me about this show on Netflix. It's called Kaleidoscope. I started to watch that. And you can start on any episode. Yes. And it changes it? Is that true? It doesn't change it, but you can't, in theory, each is a standalone and that somehow so comes you together. Go back, it, okay, okay. It says uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I think his name, the guy who played Gus Fring. Yeah. Yes. On, uh, I went, then I went back to my, when I was my reading days in school, which you two will be able to jump yep. in on here. The Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yes, that's oh. what that's Do you remember that? Yeah. That, and yeah. of course, the two young people I was speaking with, no oh, idea yeah. what I was talking of about. Of course not. So uh, I just stopped talking. Last book I read was Dave Grohl's uh, biography, oh. Oh, autobiography, yeah. Storyteller, which yeah. is phenomenal. So I don't read any nonfiction. Yeah. I'm out. So, yeah. but it's, Fiction only. If you read, Although I had to do it. If you're, if you're a music guy, the yeah, story sure. of his life, you're like, how, yeah. We um, have to give, uh, just people, uh, I, have, uh, I haven't read it yet, but Steve Wino's book on the... Uh, uh, e-bugs on uh, the backup goalies. Gonna have to, gonna yeah, have I had that book. I'm going uh, to... We Steve-o. know Steve. St- come on, Steve. I'm, I'm giving, a, giving him a plug here. A I think plug. he's going to do a signing the weekend of the outdoor game. Give us a give us a book. We'll give it a plug. That's what we do. You We're simple have. people here. Ask yeah, Shane. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, let's see. The We'll end it with, uh, with this. If you had the ability to replace the shootout with any game-deciding OT activity, what would it look like? Both serious and wacky are allowed. You have to replace it with something. No cop out answers. Ha ha. I just I'm I want t- give me ties again, uh, but that that'll never happen. Uh, uh, for me, three on three is amazing. Extend it five minutes, and yeah, I think every game would end if you played a ten minute overtime. But that is too much to ask for the players. Mm. Just saying. I <clears throat> for the game as a whole, I love it right now. I think it's exciting. It's it's fast paced. It's scoring is up. Everything is up. It's in a great spot. And this is a touchy subject. I know I saw a lot of articles on it. I would change the playoff format. How? I would go back to old school. One to eight. Oh, that's fine. Oh, you're not even I'm, I'm just the overtime. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Well, he's just he's I, asking I, his own question. I said I, I, said I love the game. what's on there. I said I love the game. I wouldn't change anything. That's a I'm, cop out, though. No, I, I respect your uh, ability to ignore the question. Yeah, what, half I, the reason I, I didn't hear half of it I wasn't paying attention. Go, I drifted off. Why don't we make the youngster go really old school and we go one through 16? I remember back in the was that when they were playing two out of three to start? Yeah, so Montreal go to Edmonton. Have, yeah, 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 you'd have like the Islanders playing Vancouver in the first round. A little play in yeah. game, one, one game off. You know what? I. I, see, I'm not against the play. Like a little I bit of seven against the play. Seven, seven against ten, eight against nine. If, one if game. There's, if nope. there's two, if there are <laughs> only if they're close, if they got to be within two points. If there is two or four points separating teams seven through, I'd have to go ten. You you can't tell me, especially if like team seven has. 15 loser points. But you can't just introduce something. Well, if the point totals are like this, we're going to have a play in. Well, like last league, year. But the league did this, Scott, when they introduced the magic point that drops from the ceiling when we go to overtime. Yeah, but it's still like last year, there were eight teams in the Eastern Conference with at least 100 points, and then I think it was 14 or 16 point drop off. Don't give those teams a chance to advance in the playoffs. They don't deserve it. 
I think that's what Shane's talking about. If you if you're 14 points out, you got no. But you right can't here. just say, "Oh, if they cross the threshold, we're going to introduce a new layer of playoffs." I'm sure Gary Bettman and I are simpatico on this. All right. Down on the play in, and that's for the shootout. I don't even. I will tell you what. I don't mind the shootout. Here's what I hate about three on three overtime: is the teams that consistently enter the zone oh. and then come back out. Got to be in there. Has to be a tinkering, like an over and back in basketball. Oh. If you enter the zone twice, and you exit the zone, you got to give oh, up dead. the puck. Give the puck. You just start behind the net. I'm gonna throw this Ooh, out I there. Like, I actually, I do. Like I that. just thought of something because, and this will be fun because I know our great coach Rod Brindlemore enjoys the podcast. He enjoys listening to our banter. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't like the banter. No, can can confirm. But in youth hockey, USA Hockey changed the rule a few years ago. You cannot ice the puck when you're shorthanded. Oh, nice. Automatic whistle, face-off comes back to your zone to create more offense, but it, it creates kids having to carry the puck out and get the red line, right, right. for skill-wise. Rod does not like this rule in youth hockey number one. <laughs> so maybe we could put that in the National Hockey League. You, we're never going to get him back on as a guest <laughs> if you're going to just... We haven't had him yet. You said he was going to get on. We'll get him. We'll get him on. Rod, you're invited to the pod, my friend. Yes. So, Scotty, thank you for coming in. Uh, it's Burnside on Hockey. Where can people find it? Download it. Listen to it. Read yes. it. Where can Good. they get it? Everywhere? Perfect. Yep, Perfect. anywhere. Burnside on Hockey. Uh, and, of course, all of the great work you do here for CarolinaHurricanes.com. And you answer what player you would love to see here in a Canes uniform as well. Uh, Shane, always great to see you. Hey, guys. I apologize for being late. Um, it was one of those mornings, but I love being on the pod. Let's do it again one time. But you, you're the you're the co-host. You're the permanent co-host. Oh, I have so. to come back next week. Yes, you're yes, the glue okay. guy. Yeah, you're the glue guy. I love being the glue guy. Never been the glue guy before. You are now. I think I've, uh, you know, evolved into a glue guy. He's a veteran. He's changed. Yeah, we've talked about this earlier. Uh, for these two guys, I'm uh, I'm Mike. We'll talk again next week. We'll get Scott on in a couple of weeks as well. Always appreciate it and appreciate you listening. Thank you.